Hi everyone, welcome back to our podcast Today we Crazy Miss Rachita Kanwar, who is a highly accomplished counseling psychologist. She has a great desire to help people via counseling as well as she has an amazing has academic and professional variety of extracurricular activities including volunteering for animal welfare, spreading mental health awareness and presenting research papers at international conferences in addition to her academic achievements. Her expertise have provided her with invaluable insights into the field of counseling and mental health. Join us as we go deeper into her counseling psychology and human mind experiences and insights while we discuss about the taboos about psychologists and counselors. Hi Rachita, how are you doing today? Very well, how are you Aditi? I'm doing amazing as well. Thank you for doing a podcast with MHP. We are called crazy to change the world. And uh, <laughs> it's my today, pleasure. Yeah. Today's topic is taboos about psychologists and counselor. So let's begin sure. with a very basic question as to why is mental health still a taboo? Uh, firstly, if you see according to statistics also, one out of five is definitely depressed. Uh, 38 million are still crippled with anxiety disorder. And when I talk about India per se, so 56 million Indians are diagnosed with depression. And if we see all the celebrities or anybody here and there, suicide, it's taken up so normally, it's so scary to even look at that, right? But again, why is it still a taboo? Uh, I think the answer lies definitely in the stereotype that we see. Uh, we know that uh, anything that we absorb, that is our mental schemas, it comes from experiences, it comes from people, it comes from all the experiences, events around us. So when we see there's a generalized stigma, a stereotypical behavior towards mental health, that's when you get scared of it, you don't want to tell anybody, you think it's a taboo and something's wrong, something is definitely wrong with that, right? So um, when you go into therapy, people are called as mad and uh, all these sorts of words which are definitely not appropriate, right? And in Indian families also, possibly around the world, going to therapy means something is wrong with you. Let me take you to a doctor. Let me take you to a doctor. It's not therapy. It's nothing wrong. You just need a doctor, right? So it's actually happening because uh, it's a sign of weakness. It's a, it's a sign of being mad by people. So people obviously take it as a taboo, they're still not able to accept it because uh, there are so many gender roles that we have. For example, the men are supposed to be tough and strong and women are supposed to be nurturing and sweet. So if the men are trying to express what they feel, it's not taken up well. So the taboo stays is because of the, I think, um, the stigmatization, how it's um, there's always a stereotypical behavior towards mental health, which I think needs to change. And it is changing, yes. True, true. With time, it's changing slowly, but yeah, slow and steady wins the heck. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I also need to actually the end point. Yeah. <laughs> and... So, as I'm a student, I have come across so many myths that go around with psychologists and counsellors. Uh, I wanted to address these myths one by one. So, the first one I've heard so many times is, therapy is only for re- really, really serious problems. Uh, the labels, 
kids over OCD. So let's address <laughs> my first. So you know, um, it surprises me how people use these terms so easily. Firstly, you know, it is I think firstly it's not ethical to use these kind of terms so easily. And if we see you randomly reels on Instagram. They talk about just somebody, you know, taking things and keeping it safe as OCD. That's not it, right? And there are multiple misconceptions when it comes to therapy that, you know, people only struggle with struggling with real mental health issues are supposed to go. But that's necessarily not the case. Therapy is great to explore and understand your own self and navigate every day of your life, right? It could include your relationships, your work, or your general life decisions altogether. And you can always go and explore the change that you want to make, right? So it's kind of a self-help tool development that, you know, you try to go and you try to understand the process to become a better person for your own self. So it's never like, oh, I need to have an issue or I need to have a disorder to go to therapy. You can always go to therapy to be self-aware. And that is so important if you see to be self-aware of things, of people around you, to make certain decisions and uh, people might not understand but I think uh, it's really hard to believe that people still think they take those terms as very casually oh you have OCD or you depressed like there's a very thin line between sadness and depression which definitely is not taken it well right yeah the next week <laughs> that uh, just babble, babbles my mind is like not many people go to therapy. I mean, it's 2023. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, no, but when you're talking about 2023, that's true. But um, prior, so I started my practice uh, right before COVID started. So people would not turn up, to be very honest. They would not turn up. They would possibly work busy in their own life or possibly not even paying close attention to how they feel. But during COVID, things drastically changed. People started actually coming out. They started talking about uh, a lot of things that they were getting aware of. And to be very honest, my um, clients are mostly men. Not women. Which is wonderful. <laughs> this is a drastic, beautiful change. Yeah, like everybody is coming up. And um, it started off with a lot of women for sure, yes. But now, if I seem right now, the amount of men who are my clients is a lot more than women. And they talk about everything. They would even show their emotions and not even feel judged, which is wonderful. But I think it's the COVID that hit so many people that they start to realize the importance of mental health and therapy. Nice, nice. The next myth that I come across is all therapy is same. It's kind of like all fit one kind of a thing. And I really don't understand <laughs> why can people, how can people come up with that when they're doing their jobs and they know that it's never uh, an all fit one kind of a situation. Yeah. Um, I think for me, the most uh, relevant example, if I would say, is when you start looking at a very vast landscape, of therapy from possibly like a 30,000 feet. So the treatment, the articles look the same. Similarly, how we in the play and we start seeing down, do we see these minute details of what goes on? Right? 
so when we actually looking at the landscape from above we actually see that oh you know everything just looks the same everything is the same it's just the plain surface out there when we start taking a closer look to it we actually see the unique features of a given area and similarly if you look at the specific problems that we have with a lot of convincing research that's been done some therapies work for only some problems or um and that will work for others right so we have different therapies cbt gestalt sensor person center so everything just works very differently from a different teacher and different issues that you come up with so might look the same yes because the outcome is beautiful all together but it's never the same the next myth is my personal favorite <laughs> because it kind of makes sense somewhere theoretically but obviously it's just a myth so the next one is therapy is just a pricey session for ranting oh i love the word pricey yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, we deserve the art. We deserve. Like every day, we go back and we try to learn everything and discover new things about it, right? Because every time we take a session, we need to be prepared for the next one. We need to read about it. And uh, when you talk about this kind of myth, actually, I kind of understand it because um, I had this XYZ person. I never took sessions with the person. But I know somebody who kind of contacted me saying that this is an hour went after you. you should pay me and i'm just like okay lovely but sorry it's not happening but we was a fake profile anyway but uh, again venting does happen to sure it does happen but uh, that's not the only way because you don't just come in venting out to us there's so much that goes on it's a two way process right so if i possibly tell somebody an activity to do or we say to our clients it's not like the person is you know just sitting and listening ki ha theek hai you know i've been told it's fine it's it's a two way process if i tell you something to take care of and that's how things are going to work so venting out is not the entire issue uh, it's a new process that goes on for you build your rapport you try to understand them you try to take care of things and that when a yes they vent to you they vent it out but there are solutions to it we kind of navigate towards the vision together Yeah, very true. Very true. The next one is kind of somewhere you've already addressed it, but uh, it's not much applicable towards the current generation. Maybe Gen Z is a a part of millennials, <laughs> millennials, but the early millennials and boomers, they probably still think that people will judge them for going towards therapy, or they will think poorly of them. So, how can we address to that? um so i believe that generations are definitely changing there's a lot of changes there's a lot of cultural change social change yes but there are few um ways of accepting things so there is somebody possibly not accepting right now you're not supposed to feel pressured towards it it's up to you if you want to tell your friends your family your co-workers your loved ones but there's never a pressure a and there's no need to feel ashamed of what you're doing because a you're actually taking care of yourself so if you feel that there's somebody who might not even understand it's not necessary for you to tell them because possibly they might be taking it not telling you right there are a lot of people who take therapy more than you think of so uh it's always important for you to have that kind of a trust and love that you share 
amongst each other to understand if that's the right place where I can share what I feel and I can share that yes I'm taking therapy because a lot of people might not understand and I think every individual is so different from one another we can't expect them to do exactly what we want them to do so these changes these changes are coming from generation so we can't expect them to exactly understand and ask them what we feel is correct even though it might be so <laughs> okay the next one is kind of important to address okay. a lot of people think that therapy is not confidential oh <laughs> okay so when we actually try to become therapists that's one thing that we told that we literally like feel the way Right? <laughs> no. I mean, the class of ethics with every subject that we've done, confidentiality is the number one. Oh, it is. You can't do without it. What is what is therapy without that? I don't understand because it's one of the most, um, you know, it's one of the most rocking stone. Like it's the base of us, right? It's supposed to be there and. I think the client is supposed to know that listen, whatever I tell my therapist is going to remain in the room amongst us, and it's not going out. And trust me, that when I have a new client, and you know when I'm building the rapport, that's something I make sure I tell them. I tell them, listen, what we're talking is here, and for that matter, I don't even write notes. You know, people write notes during therapy. To again, I think it's very normal for them to write, and it's correct. There's nothing wrong. But I don't even write notes so that nobody sees it. Just in case, you know, they don't open my drawer or they don't just randomly, you know, check it to take a page or write something. So anything that happens in a session, I take into account mentally. And these are my schemas that are there. I remember it, however, but I never write like a single note because I take care of that so like religiously. That oh my god, like nobody should know about it. <laughs> Okay, so this is the last myth that I've commonly heard, even the even at my house, even with people in universities, general public. So, and I kind of understand why they say it. There are people who have autism spectrum disorder. There are people with bipolar disorder, borderline disorder, schizophrenia, and uh, yeah. with it is there is no cure for these disorders, but. It's only how we can deal with them better. So the myth is said to be that I'll have to stay forever in therapy. Uh, okay. <laughs> so I think your relationship with your therapist can be one of the most beautiful, meaningful relationships, and even very productive if you talk about it, right? Because so much of collaboration occurs, and um, do not. Supposed to stay in therapy forever. It's not something that you know you're supposed to pressure to do. Stopping the therapy is definitely an option. And when you feel that you've achieved a certain goal, but again with the kind of disorders that we talk about, might you know there might be a cure, might not be. But again, there are trigger points. So when you feel that listen, okay, you know that's my trigger. Something is happening. Your therapist is going to be that one point. But again, um, there are disorders where you might feel that you won't, you can't stop therapy. But I think that's for the therapist to actually tell you when is it correct. But for the subclinical issues like uh, anxiety, stress, work flow, life balance, relationship, family issues, 
it should ultimately it does come to an end but um, that completely depends if you've reached your goal where you're supposed to be at and um then even people you know they forget about it like they don't need me every month or every week of their life they might come to me like once in three months be like oh it's been forever i have to tell you just you know what happened so therapy does stop but it's completely your uh, choice if you want to stop it yes but sometimes you can always like you know come back to the session to get a lot of awareness to understand what's been happening throughout the month or to even um understand and become conscious about your decisions so stopping is an option when definitely consult your therapist and talk about it because again it's a collaborative method that you have with your therapist amazing so there is uh, one more question in my mind actually uh if you are uh, active on social media yeah. there were a lot of trending reels about if i would listen to my impulsive uh, intrusive thoughts yeah and they were not able to differentiate between impulsivity and intrusivity i would like you to address that in a very understandable way for people so that there is a lot of awareness out there and they're not you know uh miscommunicating things that's true because um the reels that you're talking about i think i had seen it once i'm not too sure but uh impulsive is when you know you're not patient about it you need it to occur you're not able to like keep up with the patience and be like you know i have to do it but the uh, intrusive is basically when there's something that's interfering with your own self something that's actually coming in between your everyday scenarios right something that's possibly poking you impulse is just the thought like oh you know today i feel like um oh somebody said something to me i don't like it that's when impulse that's why reactive point stuff intrusive is basically when there's something that's not possibly welcomed enough but it's just intrusive in your life it's just coming between so definitely there are a lot of um uh when we talk about it when it comes to even work motivation like you take care of people with a lot of work life balance there are so many intrusive uh, motivation needs that we have right that we need to take care of because um again it's coming from within you it's not an impulse there are different things that go beyond that but there's a huge difference between impulse and intrusive thoughts thank you so much rachita for your time and i really don't want this conversation to end <laughs> it was Lovely. so much fun and now connecting with you definitely gonna hit Hi, you achita how are you doing today very well how are you achiti i'm doing amazing as well thank you for doing a podcast with mhp we are called crazy to change the world and uh, it's my pleasure yeah today's topic is taboos about psychologist and counselor so let's begin sure. with a very basic question as to why is mental health still a taboo ah uh, firstly if you see according to statistics also one out of five is definitely depressed uh 38 million are still crippled with anxiety disorder and when i talk about india per se so 56 million indians are diagnosed with depression and if we see all the the celebrities or anybody here and there suicide 
it's taken up so normally it's so scary to even look at that right but again why is it still a taboo uh i think the answer lies definitely in the stereotype that we see uh we know that uh, anything that we absorb that is our mental schemas it comes from experiences it comes from people it comes from all the experiences events around us so when we see there's a generalized stigma a stereotypical behavior towards mental health that's when you get scared of it you don't want to tell anybody you think it's a taboo and something's wrong something is definitely wrong with that right so um when you go to therapy people are called as mad and uh, all these sorts of words which are definitely not appropriate right and in indian families also possibly around the world going to therapy means something is wrong with you let me take you to a doctor let me take you to a doctor it's not therapy it's nothing wrong you just need a doctor right so it's actually happening because uh, it's a sign of weakness it's a it's a sign of being mad by people so people obviously take it as a taboo they still not able to accept it because uh, there are so many gender roles that we have for example the men are supposed to be tough and strong and women are supposed to be nurturing and sweet so if the men are trying to express what they feel it's not taken up well so the taboo stays is because though i think um the stigmatization how it um there's always a stereotypical behavior towards mental health which i think needs to change and it is changing yes true true with time it's changing slowly but yeah slow and steady wins the heck <laughs> <laughs> wait i also need to ask me this though and point yeah <laughs> and so as i'm a student i have come across so many myths that go around with psychologists and counselors uh, i wanted to address these myths one by one so the first one i've heard so many times is therapy is only for re- really really serious problems uh, the labels kids or ocd so let's address one first so you know um it's surprises me how people use these terms so easily firstly you know it is i think firstly it's not ethical to use these kind of terms so easily and if we see you randomly reels on instagram they talk about just somebody you know taking things and keeping it safe as ocd that's not it right and there are multiple misconceptions when it comes to therapy that you know people only struggle with struggling with real mental health issues are supposed to go but that's necessarily not the case therapy is great to explore and understand your own self and navigate every day of your life right it could include your relationships your work or your general life decisions altogether and you can always go and explore the change that you want to make right so it's kind of a self help tool development that you know you kind of go and you try to understand the process to become a better person for your own self So it's never like, oh, I need to have an issue, or I need to have a disorder to go to therapy. You can always go to therapy to be self-aware, mm-hmm. and that is so important if we see to be self-aware of things, of people around you, to make certain decisions. And uh, people might not understand, but I think uh, it's really hard to believe that people still think they take those terms as very casually. Like, oh, you have OCD. or you depressed like there's a very thin line between sadness and depression which definitely is not taken at well right yeah the next <laughs> myth that uh, 
just babble, babbles my mind is like not many people go to therapy. I mean, it's 2023. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, you know, but when you're talking about 2023, that's true. But um, prior, so I started my practice uh, right before COVID started. So people would not turn up, to be very honest. They would not turn up. They would possibly work busy in their own life or possibly not even paying close attention to how they feel. But during COVID, things drastically changed. People started actually coming out. They started talking about uh, a lot of things that they were getting aware of. And to be very honest, my um, clients are mostly men. That women, which is wonderful. <laughs> this is a drastic, beautiful change. Yeah, like everybody is coming up. And um, it started off with a lot of women to show, yes. But now, if I seem right now, the amount of men who are my clients is a lot more than women. And they talk about everything. They would even show their emotions and not even feel judged, which is wonderful. But I think it's the COVID that hit so many people that they start to realize the importance of mental health and therapy. Nice, nice. The next myth that I come across is all therapy is same. It's kind of like all fit one kind of a thing. And I really don't understand <laughs> why can people, how can people come up with that? When they're doing their jobs and they know that it's never uh, an all fit one kind of a situation. Yeah. Um, I think for me, the most uh, relevant example, I would say, is when you start looking at a very vast landscape, of therapy from what like a 30,000 feet. So the treatment, the articles look the same. Similarly, how we in the play and we start seeing down, do we see these minute details of what goes on? Right? So when we actually looking at the landscape from above, we actually see that, oh, you know, everything just looks the same. Everything is the same. It's just the plain service out there. So we start taking a closer look to it. We actually see the unique features of a given area. And similarly, if you look at the specific problems that we have with a lot of convincing research that's been done, some therapies work for only some problems or um, and that will work for others, right? So we have different therapies, CBT, guest-told, uh, person-centered. So everything just works very differently from a different teacher and different issues that you come up with. So it might look the same, yes, because the outcome is beautiful altogether, but it's never the same. The next myth is my personal favorite because it kind of makes sense somewhere theoretically, but obviously it's just a myth. So the next one is therapy is just a pricey session for ranting. Oh, I love the word pricey. <laughs> I mean, oh, we deserve the unpaid. <laughs> We deserve, like every day we go back and we try to learn everything and discover new things about it, right? Because every time we take a session, we need to be prepared for the next one. We need to read about it. And uh, when you talk about this kind of myth, actually, I kind of understand it because um, I had this XYZ person. I never took sessions with the person. But I know somebody who kind of contacted me saying that, listen, I'm going to wait after you. You should pay me. And I'm just like, okay. Lovely, but sorry, it's not happening. But we was a fake profile anyway. 
But uh, again, venting does happen. Sure, it does happen. But uh, that's not the only way because you don't just come and venting out to us. There's so much that goes on. It's a two-way process, right? So if I possibly tell somebody an activity to do, or we say to our clients, it's not like the person is, you know, just sitting and listening. Ki, theek hai, you know, I've been told it's fine. It's a two-way process. If I tell you something to take care of, then that's how things are going to work. So venting out is not the entire issue. Uh, it's a new process that goes on for you build your apple. You try to understand them. You try to take care of things. And that's when A, yes, they vent to you. They vent it out. But there are solutions to it. We kind of navigate towards the vision together. Yeah, very true, very true. The next one is kind of somewhere you've already addressed it, but uh, it's not much applicable towards the current generation, maybe Gen Zs and a part of <laughs> millennials, but the early millennials and boomers, they probably still think that people will judge them for going towards therapy or they will think poorly of them. So how can we address to that? Um... So I believe that generations are definitely changing. There's a lot of changes. There's a lot of cultural change, social change, yes. But there are a few um, ways of accepting things. So there is somebody possibly not accepting right now. You're not supposed to feel pressured towards it. It's up to you if you want to tell your friends, your family, your co-workers, your loved ones. But there's never a pressure, A, and there's no need to feel ashamed of what you're doing. Because A, you're actually taking care of yourself. So if you feel that there's somebody who might not even understand, it's not necessary for you to tell them. Because possibly they might be taking it and not telling you. Right? There are a lot of people who take therapy more than you think of. So uh, it's always important for you to have that kind of a trust and love that you share amongst each other to understand if that's the right place where I can share what I've seen. And I can share that, yes, I'm taking therapy because a lot of people might not understand. And I think every individual is so different from one another. We can't expect them to do exactly what we want them to do. So these things are, these changes are coming from generation. So we can't expect them to exactly understand and ask them what we feel is correct. Even though it might be so. <laughs> okay, the next one is kind of important to address. Okay. A lot of people think that therapy is not confidential. Oh. <laughs> okay. So when we're actually trying to become therapists, that's one thing that we're told. That we literally like feel the way. Right? <laughs> no. I mean, the class of ethics with every subject that we've done, confidentiality is the number one thing that we learn. It is you can't do without it. What is what is therapy without that? I don't understand because it's one of the most, um, you know, it's one of the most rocking stone. Like it's the base of us, right? It's supposed to be there, and I think the client is supposed to know that. Listen, whatever I tell my therapist is going to remain in the room amongst us, and it's not going out. And trust me, that when I have a new client, and you know, when I'm building the rapport, that's something I make sure I tell them. I tell them, listen, what we're talking is here. And for that matter, I don't even write notes. You know, people write notes during therapy. To, again, I think it's very normal for them to write and it's correct. There's nothing wrong. 
but I don't even like lower so that nobody sees it. Just in case, you know, they don't open my drawer or they don't just randomly, you know, check it to take a page or write something. So anything that happens in a session, I take into account mentally. And these are my schema that are there. I remember it, however. But I never write like a single note because I take care of that so like religiously that, oh my God, like nobody should know about it. <laughs> okay, so this is the last myth that I've commonly heard. Even the, even at my house, even with people in universities, general public. So, and I kind of understand why they say it. There are people who have autism spectrum disorder. There are people with bipolar disorder, borderline disorder, schizophrenia. And uh, yeah. with it is there is no cure for these disorders. But it's only how we can deal with them better. So the myth is said to be that I'll have to stay forever in therapy. Uh, okay. <laughs> so I think your relationship with your therapist can be one of the most beautiful, meaningful relationships and even very productive if you talk about it, right? Because so much of collaboration occurs and um, you're not supposed to stay in therapy forever. It's not something that, you know, you're supposed to pressurize to do. Stopping the therapy is definitely an option. And when you feel that you've achieved a certain goal, but again, with the kind of disorders that we talk about, might, you know, there might be a cure, might not be. But again, there are trigger points. So when you feel that, listen, okay, you know, that's my trigger, something is happening, your therapist is going to be that one point. But again, um, there are disorders where you might feel that you won't, you can't stop therapy, but I think that's for the therapist to actually tell you when is it correct. But for the subclinical issues like uh, anxiety, stress, workflow, life balance, relationship, family issues, it should ultimately, it does come to an end, but um, that completely depends if you've reached your goal, where you're supposed to be at. And um, then even people, you know, they forget about it. Like they don't need me every month or every week of their life. They might come to me like once in three months be like, oh, it's been forever. I have to tell you just, you know, what happened. So therapy does stop, but it's completely your uh, choice. If you want to stop it, yes. But sometimes you can always like, you know, come back to the session to get a lot of awareness, to understand what's been happening throughout the month or to even um, understand and become conscious about your decision. So stopping is an option. When definitely consult your therapist and talk about it because again it's a collaborative method that you have with your therapist. Amazing. So there is uh, one more question in my mind actually. Uh, if you're uh, active on social media, yeah. there were a lot of trending reels about if I would listen to my impulsive, uh, intrusive thoughts. Yeah. And they were not able to differentiate between impulsivity and intrusivity. I would like you to address that in a very understandable way for people so that there is a lot of awareness out there and they're not, you know, uh, miscommunicating things. That's true because um, the reels that you're talking about, I think I have seen it once. I'm not too sure. But uh, impulsive is when you know you're not patient about it. You need it to occur. 
you're not able to like keep up with the patients and be like, I have to do it. But uh, intrusive is basically when there's something that's interfering with your own self, something that's actually coming in between your everyday scenarios, right? Something that's possibly poking you. Impulse is just the thought like, oh, you know, today I feel like, um, oh, somebody said something to me, I don't like it. That's why impulse, that's why reactive on stuff. Intrusive is basically when there's something that's not possibly welcomed enough, but it's just intrusive in your life. It's just coming between. So definitely there are a lot of, um, uh, when we talk about it, when it comes to even work motivation, like you take care of people with a lot of work-life balance. There are so many intrusive uh, motivation needs that we have, right? That we need to take care of because, um, again, it's coming from within you. It's not an impulse. There are different things that go beyond that, but there's a huge difference between impulse and intrusive thoughts. Thank you so much, Rachita, for your time. And I really don't want this conversation to end. <laughs> <laughs> it was Lovely so much fun and love connecting with you. Definitely going to hit you up with another 